you would remain standing and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 11 this morning. Luke 6 verses 1 through 11. And I will be reading from the English Standard Version. Hear the word of the Lord. On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God, and he took and ate the bread of the presence which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him? And he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come, stand here. And he rose and he stood there, and Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them, he said, And after looking around at them all, he said to him, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord remains forever. You may be seated. And as you do, please bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and honoring in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name alone that we pray. Amen. Well, as we have mentioned, uh, today is Palm Sunday. And this is the beginning of what people refer to as Passion Week. Uh, the last week of, of Jesus' life here on earth starting with Palm Sunday, ending next Sunday with Easter, where he spends this week in Jerusalem preparing for the Passover. On Thursday, he has the Last Supper with his disciples. He is betrayed in the garden. On Friday is his, his trial before Pilate and his crucifixion. Uh, Saturday, he spends the day in the grave. And Sunday morning, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Um, but on this Palm Sunday, uh, we celebrate his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And you know the story. He sends his disciples into Jerusalem to get a donkey or a colt. Um, and he tells them, if somebody asks you, uh, why are you taking it? Just say, the master is need of it. Uh, apparently, that was good enough for people. They knew who Jesus was. I know if it was my donkey, I would be a little concerned. Why are you taking this away? Um, but they knew that Jesus needed it, and that's okay. So he comes into Jerusalem riding on this donkey, and as he is proceeding into the town, um, people begin laying their cloaks on the ground. They break palm branches off the trees. They're waving them. Uh, it's a parade, and it's a parade for Jesus, for him. 
And they're shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, In Luke, he records that the Pharisees rebuke Jesus and say, Jesus, you need to rebuke your disciples and people who are saying this. But he says, I won't. But even if they were silent, the rocks would cry out. As we know, one week later, uh, not even a week later, several days later, uh, the shouts would change. They would go from Hosanna to crucify him, all in a span uh, of just a few days. But this, uh, this event, this triumphal entry, happened on a Sunday. Uh, back then, this was not the Sabbath. Um, it may, it's hard to, to, to bring that to mind, but this was on a Sunday. Um, one week later, the Sabbath was about to change, and we're going to talk about that this morning. Ever since the resurrection of Christ from the dead, the Christian Sabbath has been celebrated on Sunday because each and every Sunday, in particular Easter, which we will celebrate next week, each and every Sunday is a celebration of the fact that Christ has risen from the dead. He is no longer dead. He is alive. Now, there is one Sunday in particular that I remember when I was 14 years old, um, kind of brought this to mind yesterday. Uh, Elliot had his first t-ball game yesterday. Um, it was an hour and 15 minutes long. And uh, let me tell you, it was a long <laughs> hour and 15 minutes. Um, uh, I am his coach, and it was a blast. Let me tell you that. It was a ton of fun. And after the game, I huddled the players up, and each one of them said, uh, I, had them, I asked who had fun today, and each one of them raised their hand. So, success. We had a great game. Uh, we lost, that is okay, um, but uh, we enjoyed it. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times I had to say, get ready, watch the batter, it's about to come. <laughs> uh, don't play in the dirt, <laughs> look at the batter. Um, but uh, it was a great time. But uh, it reminded me uh, of one experience that I had playing baseball when I was 14 years old. Um, uh, we were on an all-star team then. We had uh, just won the state tournament in Illinois, and uh, we were in Lexington, Lexington Kentucky, uh, playing in regionals, and uh, during this time there were several rainouts, and uh, it pushed all the games back, and we were forced to play a game not only on Sunday, but starting at 10 p.m. on a Sunday because there there had been so much rain the, the previous days. Um, my coach knew that uh, playing on Sunday was not something that I did personally. Um, But I was forced in this situation where we were in Lexington, Kentucky. We were away from home, um, staying in a hotel, uh, the team going to the game. Uh, So it was the question of what was I going to do? Uh, My parents were back home in Illinois. My dad had to to get back to work. So this decision was on me. Um, I decided to honor my parents. I, I did suit up for the game, but I was in the dugout. The coach knew, you know, this was Sunday and I was not going to play. Um... But what happened to us, as the game progressed, it lasted a little over two hours, and the, the teammates in the dugout um, checked their watches, and they, were, they said, Mike, it's 12.01, you can play now. I was like, oh, it's not Sunday anymore. Uh, I did not get into the game. Um, I was not needed. I was merely a role player on that team. I was not a starter or anything like that. I didn't you know, get into the game and hit the game-winning home run or anything like that. I, I think we lost that game. Um, But it got me thinking about the Sabbath and about observing the Sabbath. Um, Questions of of legalism, 
was, was it all right if I played then at 12.01? Was it not okay? Should I have suited up? Should I have been at the ballpark? Um, it, it raises questions like that. And uh, Jesus, this morning, um, he gives us um, uh, his idea of what the Sabbath is. When he claims to be, uh, and he proclaims to be, the Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, I admit my approach was probably legalistic, but how are we, according to Jesus, to observe the Sabbath? So he tells, Luke tells two stories for us here uh, on two separate Sabbaths. Uh, the first one we have is of his disciples, Jesus and his disciples picking grain. We need to know that this is not something illegal that they were doing. The fact that they were walking by a grain field and picking out the, the heads of grain uh, this is something that was legal. We see Ruth doing this uh, back in the Old Testament. Uh, as long as they weren't using machinery or weren't using tools, just simply reaping from the edges, they were able to do that. Uh, that was the, the law in Israel. And so they were hungry. It was the Sabbath, so they were picking heads of grain, rubbing it together, and then eating it. But, as you know, the Pharisees got upset. Because apparently this was breaking some of the laws that the Pharisees had set for the Sabbath. These are not laws that we read in Scripture. Uh, these are laws um, that the Pharisees had put in place. And in order to protect people from working on the Sabbath, these Pharisees had created a long list of things that you could and could not do. They gave you restrictions in order to avoid breaking this Sabbath law. And these are the laws that the Pharisees claim the disciples are breaking here. And Jesus responds by reminding them of the story of David. You know David, that great Hebrew hero, King David. Um, what he does is when he is fleeing from Saul, he goes uh, uh, to the tabernacle and he is hungry. He and his men have no food. And so he asks the priest there, is there anything that you have for us to eat? Well, the only thing that he has is the, the consecrated bread, the bread of the presence. That is only, only for the priest to eat. No one else is allowed to eat that bread. But what does the priest do? He offers it to David. And David and his men eat it. Are they breaking the law there? No, they're not. Because it's about the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. And if David and his men could eat that consecrated bread, that ceremonial bread, um, and, and break that ceremonial law, in a sense, then what the disciples are doing is so much less, because it is a man's law that, that they have set in place. So uh, what Jesus is doing here is arguing from, from the greater to the lesser. If this was allowed, how much more something like what the disciples are doing? You see, the Pharisees missed the spirit of the Sabbath, and that was to delight in God. Instead, what they were doing is creating burdens for people, like this burden that, that Christian carries in Pilgrim's Progress. They were loading on people's backs these laws that they were supposed to follow. And they missed what the Sabbath was, and that was about loving God and loving neighbor. And Jesus, at the end of this, uh, this story here, he says that the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now this title, the Son of Man, is taken from the Old Testament. It's taken from the book of Daniel, chapter 7, uh, verses 13 
and 14. And it's referring to the Messiah, one who is both human and divine, one who is to come to, to usher in this messianic age. And so when Jesus here not only says that the Son of Man, referring to himself, is Lord of the Sabbath, what he is saying to these Pharisees is that I am God, and I am the one who has authority over the Sabbath. You know, no wonder the Pharisees despise him. Uh, This is such an audacious claim. You wouldn't dare to make it unless it was absolutely true. The Pharisees don't want to believe that this could possibly be true. So Luke moves on and he sets the stage on another Sabbath. Jesus is once again doing what he does on the Sabbath, and that's teaching in the synagogues. And there is a man with a hand that is withered. Uh, The scripture doesn't say, but in my mind I have it where the Pharisees have planted this man in the the crowd uh, to catch him. That's not what the scripture says, but based on who the Pharisees are, I, I can imagine them doing this. Just to see what Jesus would do in this situation. This man doesn't have a life-threatening disease. Um, He isn't on his deathbed. He simply has a hand that is withered, uh, that he's dealt with his entire life. And they're wondering what Jesus will do to him so that they might find a reason to accuse him, as Luke says here. But Jesus, scary thought, knows what is going on in the minds of the Pharisees. He knows their games. You can't trick him. Um, Even if it's in your mind, he knows what is going on. So he has the man come forward and stand up front. And he asks this question. I tell you, what is lawful to do on the Sabbath? To do good or to do harm? To save a life or destroy it? Well, no one's going to say to do harm. No one's going to say, oh, well, you're supposed to destroy life on the Sabbath. Of course you're going to say it's to do good, it's to save. But the Pharisees are silent. You could probably hear a pin drop in the synagogue at that point. And so Jesus says simply to the man, stretch out your hands. And as he does, his hand is restored. As you can imagine, the, the Pharisees are just furious with him. They try to catch him, and yet Jesus turns it uh, into a, a healing And once again, the crowds are are flocking to Jesus and the the Pharisees are furious uh, that they are once again undermined by Christ. So it begs the question for us this morning. Uh, The Pharisees obviously have a legalistic view of the Sabbath. Um, They they approach it with laws, trying to protect it. Um, How are we as Christians to observe the Sabbath? Um, Obviously, Our Sabbath has been converted from a a Saturday observance to a Sunday as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Um, And Jesus here shows us that we should observe the Sabbath by, one, doing what is necessary, and two, by doing acts of mercy. So you know how the the Sabbath began. Um, One of the Ten Commandments that we have that that God gave to, to Moses on Mount Sinai was in regards to the Sabbath. And in Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11, we read, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So in Genesis chapters chapter 1 and 2, we read about this creation of the world. How God creates the entire world on the first six days. He looks over creation, he sees everything that he made, and it was very good. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now the question is, did God need to work, or to rest Excuse me, on the Sabbath day? Was God tired? He had just created the world Did he need a break? No. Obviously not. He's God. Was he taking a break from sovereignly upholding the world at that point and letting it run on its own? No. Of course not. But he consciously took a break from the work that he had done because it was completed and he rested. And he set this this day aside as holy. And he has set for us an example uh, of what life should be. This rhythm of life, in a sense, because we, as, as his people, as his creation, we need rest. He has created us with a need for rest. God's rest wasn't necessary, but ours is. And with rest comes a renewal. Not just of our, our physical bodies as we rest from work, but also for a, a spiritual purpose as well. Uh, I remember when I was little, uh, we would always uh, take Sunday afternoon naps. Uh, my dad, I think still to this day, still takes his, his Sunday afternoon nap. So if I call between you know, 1 and 3 on a Sunday afternoon, I'm going to get my mother because my dad is asleep. Uh, when we were real little, we were forced to take naps with our dad. <laughs> uh, that didn't always work out so well. One, because he snores. Um, two, uh, because we would always be very squirmy and we obviously kids don't always want to take naps. So we would wait until he fell asleep, we would hear him start to snore, and then we would try to quietly creep out of bed. Uh, sometimes we would wake him up, and then he'd say, lay back down. <laughs> but uh, most often we could sneak out and then uh, go to our rooms or go play, um, go play quietly as to not wake him up. Uh, but for my dad, that is something that is important. Not because uh, he enjoys naps, but because he worked so hard during the week. Um, He had a job in construction, uh, working with concrete uh, five days a week. He would work at home the sixth day. And for him, uh, Sabbath meant physically resting. And he needed that. And so every Sunday afternoon, that's what he got. He got his nap. Um, It it is to be a day uh, of rest. For for the rest of us, uh, Sunday afternoon naps are great. Um, I don't always need a Sunday afternoon nap, but it is a day to to set aside the things that we have been doing the rest of the week and to set aside for for special uh, spiritual purposes to God. 
It is a day of particular worship of and delight in God. Now, we need to be careful here. Uh, Do we not worship and delight in God the rest of the week? Yes, of course we do. All of life is worship. Uh, All of life is to be directed towards and delighting in God. But the seventh day is a day of particular worship, of particular delight in Him. Um, We might ask ourselves, too, you know, those six days of creation, those six days that we're working, uh, are those less important than Sunday, the, 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 the Sabbath day? No, our work is incredibly important. And we should be honoring and glorifying God through our work. But on, on the Sabbath, we set that aside. And in particular, we worship and we glorify God. So what are we supposed to do on a Sunday? Those are the questions. What is necessary? If we were supposed to be doing uh, works that are, are necessary and works of mercy, uh, what really is necessary? And this is where I want to be very careful. Because I think it's very easy for us to fall into legalism like the Pharisees are doing. Um, it was legalistic for me to think, oh, at 12.01, now I can play baseball because the Sabbath is technically over. Um, I don't think that that was truly honoring to God. Um, that was doing what the Pharisees were doing, uh, living by the letter of the law rather than the spirit of the law. Uh, and as we create a, a day that is more legalistic, it is more of a burden for us, rather than a delight in God. But God gave us the Sabbath to be enjoyed, to be a delight. You know, Jesus actually gave us a lot of freedom in terms of the Sabbath. Um, here, he and his disciples here were doing what the Pharisees said should not be done. Taking wheat, rubbing it in their hands, and eating it. Um, Jesus was quite progressive in terms of what the the Pharisees believed. And it drove the Pharisees crazy. Uh, It drove them mad. But Jesus was stressing the spirit of the law of the Sabbath, and he uses the example of David to point out what really is important here. The disciples had a physical need that needed to be met. They were hungry. Okay, So, yes, it is lawful to feed your hunger on the Sabbath. And by doing so, they were making the day a delight and not a burden. You know, as we think about what is necessary for the Sabbath, uh, God knew what he was doing when he gave it to us because something that is necessary for us is rest. Rest is crucial for us. But it's hard because it's countercultural. We live in a culture right now that is constantly on the go, that is, that is worried about productivity. Uh, it is worried about always performing. And when we take a break from that, when we take a rest, it's very difficult to do. Um, because there are others who most likely are working. Those who are being productive by worldly standards. And so when we take a break from that, that is being incredibly counter-cultural. But we need it. We need it to be renewed and to be refreshed. And not only do we need Sabbaths to refresh ourselves physically, but we need to take Sabbaths from things like this. This is very distracting to me sometimes. And it takes away from my time with my family. 
It's great that I can take pictures of my kids anytime I want to, but do I really need to always be checking my email or my Facebook status or uh, anything else that you can do on a phone? We need those rests as well uh, so that we can be renewed and so that we can avoid those distractions that come between us and our families, between us and God. Uh, We are very distracted uh, a society. So I'm not going to answer the questions of should we play sports on Sundays? Uh, Should we do yard work on Sundays? Uh, Should we go to restaurants or other establishments on Sundays, therefore making other people work? Um, I'll tell you what my experience was like growing up on a Sunday. You already know our our afternoon nap. But we had a a routine. We would get up at 8 o'clock. We would have breakfast. We would be out the door by 9 o'clock. Church was at 9.30. It would usually last till about 11. We'd have Sunday school from 11 till noon. Uh, At noon, I would get home. I would change, rest for a couple of minutes. My mother would have dinner on the table at 12.30. Uh, From about 12.30 to 1.30, we would have dinner. Uh, My dad would take his nap after that. We would do homework or uh, other things uh, quietly in our rooms, uh, maybe rest. At about 5 o'clock, I would have a bowl of cereal. Uh, We would get ready for church that evening. From 6 to 7.30, we would have church. And afterwards, we would, my dad would usually grill something. And then uh, we'd watch a a TV program together as a family. That that was 15 years ago that that we would do that. And I still remember it vividly um, because that was our Sunday routine. And it was very restful. Uh, Was it legalistic? Yeah, sometimes it probably was. Um, I couldn't watch Bears games on Sunday afternoons growing up in Chicago because we didn't watch TV on Sundays until after church on Sunday night. Um, that was what we did. Um, and so I'm not going to answer those questions because I think that there is some freedom with that. Um, but it, with the Sabbath, the important thing is that we make it a special day, that we set this day aside. Uh, It's not necessarily what am I allowed to do on this day, but what should I be doing to make this day special? Obviously, we shouldn't engage in activities that are going to hinder us from coming together to worship together as believers. That is very important. Uh, My wife and I have made the decision that uh, we're not going to have our kids in organized sports on Sundays. Uh, I appreciate the, the Jacksonville Little League. They told us up front we're not going to have games on Wednesday nights or on Sundays. And I appreciate that. Um, even if they did, uh, we wouldn't have our kids in that because we want to set this day aside for that. Um, but we don't want to be legalistic about it. We need to examine our hearts. When we are willing to sacrifice those things that we hold dear to us to observe this Sabbath, it shows a dependence on a God that is more powerful and more worthy of our praise. It shows a dependence and a belief that God is not only more important, but more joy is found in Him than in these other activities. You know, the Sabbath is about God. And when we rest, when we only do what is necessary, We are not bowing down to this idol of productivity that we have in our society. Instead, we're saying to God, you know what? You are more important. And I trust you to have control over my life. 
So is the Sabbath a day where you feel particular delight in the Lord? Is it a day where you feel renewed in body and soul? Is it a day where you feel like God has been honored in the things that you do? You know, the Sabbath is not just a day where we don't do things. It's also a day where we should be actively involved in things like acts of mercy. Um, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time this morning on, on acts of mercy um, because we're going to get to that more as we go through the book of Luke because we see God, uh, Jesus offering compassion to people around him um, in basically in, in every passage. So, but by healing this man on the Sabbath, uh, Jesus is showing mercy to him. Like I said before, this is not a life-threatening illness. It's not like this man will die by the end of the day if his hand is not healed. Uh, something that he has lived with for the, re- for, um, for the beginning of his life. But out of sheer mercy, Jesus healed him. So it's not today just to, to take a nap, although we need it and we need to rest. But it's a day to engage in things that will show mercy to others. Uh, visiting people in the hospital. Uh, visiting our shut-ins, which I'll be honest and uh, admit is not something that I do well. And uh, I need to, um, in order to show mercy, uh, is something that I need to do more of. Um, it's about the spirit of the law of the Sabbath, and that is to love God and to love our neighbors. We do that, obviously, every day of the week. But Sunday is a day where we can do that, not just generally, but also particularly. So what uh, advice do I have in terms of the Sabbath? Uh, It's good to prepare for it. Uh, The Sundays that Stephanie and I have prepared the day before um, usually go smoother. With four kids, not every Sunday is a breeze (laughs) by any means. Sunday mornings are sometimes the hardest mornings of the week. Um, But if we're prepared for it, physically getting things ready, um, but also spiritually praying with each other the night before, getting ready for the Sabbath, uh, the, the Lord honors that. He really does. Um, and uh, we try to be diligent to protect that. But as we look at the Sabbath and as I close this morning, the most important thing for us to remember is that Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath. The reason that we have Sabbath is actually to point forward to Christ. Just like marriage in the Old Testament, uh, when God instituted marriage, He pointed forward to Christ and his bride, the church. So Sabbath, when it was instituted, points forward to this messianic time when Christ is our rest and he will come to come and bring us rest. In Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Not only is Christ the Lord of the Sabbath, Christ is Sabbath. In him we find our rest. Through the life that he lived, Christ kept the law of God perfectly. Through the death that he died, he took upon himself our punishment. He bore the wrath of God in our place. And through his resurrection, he put to death the rule and reign of Satan here on this earth. And now we have rest in him. And because of Christ, we look forward to this eternal rest that we hear about, that we read about in Hebrews chapter 4, 
this eternal Sabbath for the people of God when we, we were made by God to have eternal rest in Him. And what we're about to engage in this morning following church is a little picture of that, of this rest that we will have for an eternity. Uh, from the outside looking in, it may just look like a simple potluck dinner, but it's more than that. In reality, what it is, it's feasting with brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a picture of heaven. Uh, this morning as we worship, and even as we go downstairs and share this meal with one another, it's a picture of this eternal rest that we will have to come. So let us take joy in the Sabbath. The fact that Christ is not only Lord of the Sabbath, He is our Sabbath. And we look forward to the day when we will rest eternally and securely in Him forever. Let us pray. Our great God and our Father in Heaven, I thank You that after six days of creation, that You took a day to rest. That You set it aside and made it holy. I thank You that You have given us this great gift where in which we can be renewed in body and soul. I thank You that You have renewed us by Your Son, Jesus Christ, that He is our rest. That as we are weary and heavy laden, we can come to Him and He will give us this rest. And we look forward to the day when we will spend eternity in this eternal rest with You forever. Lord, we long for that day. Lord, You are our King. We sing Hosanna, loud Hosanna. And now we sing, Lord, to You be the glory for the things that You have done. We give You the praise and the glory and the honor that You deserve. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.